Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding. My name is John Green, and I'm your host. We're looking today at the lessons from the Daily Lectionary for Wednesday, February the 24th, 2021. So you see the link to those below in the description box, and so you can read those, and I I, uh, encourage you heartily to read those lessons, in fact, because this is not not intended to be a replacement for actually actively being in the Word of God, because the reality is is that, that I'm telling you the things that God's saying to me when I read these lessons. And so it's, it's quite possible that He's going to say some other things to you if you read those same lessons too. There's no substitute for being in the Word of God. I'm not here to do that for you. I'm just here to kind of reflect on these things and, and help you understand how we should be looking at all of Scripture and how it all can instruct us in the gospel and instruct us in who we are to be. So today we're going to start with looking at Deuteronomy 9, 13 to 21. It's a continuation of the story that Moses is telling them and reminding them of their own rebelliousness and their stubbornness, as he said yesterday. And so he said, the Lord told him, you're a stubborn people. I've already seen this in this brief time that it took to get to Sinai. The Lord says, I've already seen this as a stubborn people. And then he says, let me alone, that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I'll make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. The way Moses tells the story is that he came down the mountain right then, but he didn't actually. He didn't leave God alone. He heard what the Lord said, that if I leave you alone, this is what you're going to do. And so he pled for the people first. And then he came down the mountain. And he said the mountain was burning with fire when he came down the mountain. And he had the two tablets of the covenant in his hand. And then he sees the golden calf. And he took hold of the two tablets and he smashed those tablets before their eyes. The covenant was broken before it had ever really been enacted because they hadn't received the Ten Commandments. Yet they had heard the word from Sinai, but God is giving everything now. And so the the covenant is broken, and that's the symbol of it, as Moses took the initiative to do that. And some will read that in such a way that, that what's happening is is that, that Moses is is protecting the people by smashing those two tablets. He's protecting them from the wrath that would come from them actually knowing these things. So in other words, he's, he can go back and plead they were ignorant of the law. I'm not sure that that's the interpretation, but, but I'm giving you the, what some people will say. And then what he says is, after he did that and after he fussed at him, he went back up the mountain. And he says, I lay prostrate for 40 days and 40 nights. And again, neither ate bread nor drank water because of the sin you had committed. And so his pleading on behalf of them is so complete that he is going to fast, like we read in the Jonah passage from Ash Wednesday, that there's, he's basically in sackcloth and ashes, prostrate before the Lord, begging for these people not to be destroyed and not eating or drinking. And I don't, you know, maybe it's a couple of days or whatever it is between these fasts because he takes the 40 days and 40 nights to get the law. Then he comes back down and he smashes the tablets. And then he goes back up. Maybe it's the same day even. But this is an extended fast. There are only records of three people. Now I say records because I have no earthly idea if there's anybody else, but there are three people in the Bible who do these 40-day fasts, and one is um, Moses, who does it twice. The other is Elijah, and then, of course, Jesus. And so it, it's the, there's a reason the three of them are on that mountain together. There's something unique about these three 
certainly. But but again, the, the disciples had to learn that Jesus is greater than all of these. And so Moses goes and he pleads before the Lord. And he says not only was he going to destroy the people, he says the Lord was so angry with Aaron that he was ready to destroy him. And I prayed for Aaron, who's his brother, also at that time. Then I took the sinful thing, the calf that you'd made, and burned it with fire and crushed it, grinding it very small till it was fine as dust. And I threw the brook, the dust of it into the brook that ran down from the mountain. And, and he's trying to impress upon them the, the horror of that sin that day. Now remember that, that these people he's speaking to in large part are not the people who were there that day. He's speaking to a nation, and he's speaking to them as though they were the ones who were to blame for this, because we we do stand in the shoes of those who came before us. And that's a good way to look at things. We need to remember where the church has done well and where the church has gone astray. And so here he's talking about those people because remember what God promised. That that generation who uh, refused to go into the land— at the time of the spies in Numbers 13, that generation, remember, was going to pass away. They would not enter the land. And so, as I say here, Moses is speaking to their children and their grandchildren when he tells this story. But but it's an unbelief issue because what did they not believe? They believed that this Moses who brought us up out of Egypt had died. We don't know what's become of him, and so they're creating a substitute. And, and, and the way that, that you can read that is, is different from just the common reading of it, and it's because there's a different verb for Moses' role in taking the people up. Is That verb is different from the Lord bringing the people up. And so they're, what they're doing with these golden calves is not replacing God. They're replacing Moses, who they think may have died on the mountain. And, and they're afraid, remember, to go into the presence of God. So they, they bring, make these bull calves in order to be able to, to say this is a replacement for Moses, not so completely for God. They, but they made these detestable things because now they're, they're icons and images of God's which is the word that um, Aaron actually uses in that circumstance. And so they failed to believe. They believe they failed to believe that Moses would return. And we can go into further on that too, but I'm not going to do it today because there's a lot more to that from a Jewish perspective. So then so you, you've, you've got this failure to believe that kept them from going into the land, but it also led them into sin because they doubted Moses was returning. So then in the gospel lesson, Jesus still at the Passover feast in Jerusalem. And what we're told is that many believed in his name because they saw the signs he was doing. So the things they saw caused them to believe something about Jesus. And what does it mean to believe in his name, which is the Lord saves? But they're believing in him. But, But then what John says is that Jesus on his part didn't entrust himself to them because he knew all people. He didn't believe that they were fickle. He knew all people, and he needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. He had a unique and special knowledge of human nature, and so he wasn't entrusting himself to them. He didn't, didn't say to them, I'm the Messiah, is what, they're, what he's, John's saying there. And then we get the story of Nicodemus, who's one of the Pharisees, who comes at night to see Jesus, and he's clearly sent there. I think, in, in many ways. And he, he speaks highly of Jesus. He calls him rabbi. 
which is a, a an honorific title um, that that would not normally have been given to this sort of itinerant ministry who just popped up on the scene from Galilee. He, he was not one of the chief rabbis, not one of those that was there, wasn't known to have gone to the schools. He just appears, and yet there, as a Pharisee, he's calling him a teacher. He says, we know you're a teacher come from God. Huge statement. You have unique knowledge. You have something different about you. And, and he says, we know this. We, the Pharisees, is who he's talking about. And so then they have this awkward conversation. He says, no one can do these signs that you do unless God's with him. I mean, high praise. And then Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one's born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is thrown into utter confusion here. He has no earthly idea what Jesus is speaking about. He, he doesn't understand because it, he, he, we know he, he takes it very literally because his comment is, how can a man go back into his mother's womb? How can he be born again when he's old? This doesn't make any sense. And so Jesus speaks of being born of water and the Spirit. And we see that as baptism in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, unless he's born of water and the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. And, and he, he never seemed to get it, because Nicodemus says, how can these things be? And which is roughly what Mary said when the angel told her that she would bring forth this child. She said, how can such things be, seeing that I'm a virgin? And, and, and Nicodemus is saying the same basic thing here. How can these things be? It doesn't make any sense. Physically, this, this doesn't, I, I don't resound with this. I don't even get what you're talking about. And Jesus looks at him and says, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you don't understand these things. If we have told you of earthly things you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And remember the story of the, the serpent in the wilderness. They're attacked by fiery serpents for their disobedience and, and lack of faith. And what Moses is told to do to bring healing to the people then is to make a serpent, put it on a stick, and hold it up. And so the, if you look on that, you'll be healed. And so it's, it's your, the problem is serpents. The solution is serpents. It's to look at the serpent. It's faith, though. It's trusting God that this really will work if all I do is look upon that serpent. And when Jesus says it here and compares himself in the same way, think of the cross. What's the problem? The problem is man. The problem is sin. What's the solution? It's a man dying on a cross, a sinless man dying on a cross. And we look and we're called to have faith. And in faith, he says, whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And so it's the same thing as the problem with the serpents and the problem of humanity for eternal life. You know, that they were saved briefly. They're all going to die from that death because of their belief that the solution God has given is the only solution, looking on this serpent, which seems like a ridiculous thing. It goes back to what Paul was saying on Sunday about this seems like folly. All I have to do is believe. And so this is what Jesus is saying is, is that it's similar to that. And you just got to think through what that implications are of that. And so now we go back to the Hebrew lesson, Hebrews lesson to finish this up. And, and what, he's, what the writer says is, Take care, brothers, lest 
there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We need to be immersed in the Word of God and the worship of God on a constant basis so that we don't forget, because we easily forget. I mean, I forgot all the uh, trigonometry I ever learned, all the calculus I ever learned, because I don't ever need it again. And so if we don't continue to be anchored in Him through His Word and through prayer and through worship, then we are going to forget. That's the honest truth. And, and, and the problem with COVID is, is that we're not able to do that right now. And so we're not, um, we're not immersing ourselves in the same way. And the writer goes on to say, we've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Never stop believing. Hold on to that. And the only way we can really do that is to remain in Him, to abide in Him, to stay in the Word, to stay in the worship, and to stay in prayer. And at the end, he, he's talking about this same episode from that Deuteronomy passage is talking about, and he ends that with, so we see they were unable to enter because of disbelief. They were unable to enter the land and the rest of the rest God gives because of unbelief. And so we've got to remain anchored in our belief, and the way to do that is remain anchored in the Word of God to remain anchored in the worship of God, and to remain anchored in the presence of God. Finish with a prayer. O Lord, you've dealt graciously with your servant according to your word. Teach me discernment and knowledge, for I've believed in your commandments. It's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is dearer to me than thousands in gold and silver.